Until right when we need them to ask that, wouldn't it be a better, better day if we rise and we just say, Lord, I need you. You're my hope and safe. 
Let's go ahead and bow our hearts as we ask the Lord to open our minds and our hearts to receive the word of God this morning. So let's bow once more. And gracious Father, we do acknowledge that we need you every hour, uh, Lord, that without you we'd still be lost. Uh, we'd still be dead in our trespasses and sins. And Lord, it is a, a joy to know that we have been rescued, we've been freed, we've been redeemed. Uh, we have uh, had the chains of sin broken, uh, Lord, so that we are no longer a slave to them. But because of your son's righteousness, uh, we can enter into the most holy place, and that is in your presence. Uh, and Lord, we look forward to that day when we can uh, join you uh, in eternity. And in the meantime, Lord, as we uh, find our way through this life and through this world, uh, we will look to you, uh, who is uh, not only to you, but to your son, Jesus Christ, who is the author and perfecter of our faith. And Lord, we ask that you would use your word today to give us the, uh, the uh, ability to face the world in which we live and do so rightly. Uh, in, a, in a day and age where uh, evil is running rampant, Lord, we ask for your truth to continue to transform our minds and to guide us uh, into all truth. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we're drawing to the end or the close of the Sermon on the Mount. As we are coming to this point uh, in the year 2020, as we find ourselves on the first day uh, of November, uh, and we're, our text has already been read to us this morning by Ken as uh, he has read uh, Matthew chapter 7, uh, verses 24 through 27. Uh, this is a passage that no doubt you are very familiar with. Uh, and I've entitled my sermon today, Build Your House on the Rock. And so as we uh, look at this uh, section here this morning, there's a few things I want you to notice as we begin our time together this morning. Uh, and that is the, the fact that uh, there are, as we look at this text, two different builders with two different foundations, with one identical storm, with two outcomes. Uh, and we're going to find that this is going to dovetail into the last few sections we've taken a look at. Uh, and we are going to see Jesus as he's speaking to the crowd, as he's drawing to close this sermon uh, that he shared, uh, that it is an appeal once more for them to see the importance of uh, looking to, to Jesus, who is the one who came to be the Savior, to be the Redeemer. Uh, and so he, he paints this beautiful picture for us, one that uh, if you grew up in church from a very early age, you, you probably know the song. You know, he, he uh, build your house upon the rock. Uh, and it's something that uh, we train um, the kids to, to know and as a biblical truth. Uh, and the thing is, is that as we take a look at the world in which we live, uh, we will find that um, everyone in the world fits into one of these two categories. Either they are one who is, as the text tells us, wise, uh, or one who is foolish. Uh, and so let's go ahead and, and begin uh, by taking a look at the phrase there as uh, we look at verse uh, 24, uh, where it says, Everyone who hears these words of mine and does them. So this is the first uh, thing that is being drawn out of the text here uh, as Jesus is, is showing the example. And he starts out with the positive uh, as he takes a look at those who uh, not only uh, hear uh, the words that he is speaking, but also apply them, make them real in relation to their lives. Not let them just be, you know, a, a knowledge or intellect in their minds, uh, but actually engage what's being said. And so you may ask a few questions as we take a look at these texts, and we're going to do this in both sections. Uh, and the first question is, is who are those who hear these words and does them or, or do them? And so let's look at the context. If you look back up uh, in, in chapter 7, verse 21, uh, as we, we took a look at that section, it says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. So who is someone who hears these words and does them? Well, they're like the person who does the will of God, who does the will of the Father. So in other words, they are the one who is redeemed, the one who has experienced salvation and realizes the importance of God's word in their life each and every day. Not just at church, uh, but as they open up the word of God throughout the week, as they spend time in prayer, as they find themselves at that point of temptation, uh, they are looking to give God the glory, to do the will of the Father who is in heaven. Well, if you go back a few more verses, look at verse 17. 
Uh, they're characterized as those who are the healthy tree which bears good fruit. Uh, and so Jesus here again is drawing a parallel to the person who hears the word and does them is like that tree that is healthy, that does produce good fruit. Uh, fruit that is a, a uh, sign that the tree is healthy because its roots are sunk deep in to the soil and it is getting everything that it needs nutrition-wise to produce good fruit. And, of course, we know that that healthy tree has its foundation, as we will find out in this text, uh, on the rock. Uh, and that may not seem, as you think about a tree being, you know, growing on a rock, uh, but the fact is, is, is we look at the Bible and what the, uh, the Word of God says in relation to uh, our Christian life, we are building uh, that uh, life on the rock, and we will bear good fruit as a result. And if you go back to verse 14, one more spot. Uh, this is one who uh, hears these words and does them is like the one who enters by the narrow gate, the one that leads to life. And so Jesus, as he's been building up to this point, is going to draw a stark contrast once more because he, he is bringing forth the need that there is uh, very much so two different paths. There is very much so two different types of trees. Uh, there are very much so uh, two different types of uh, builders, uh, one who has a foundation that is on the rock, the other one that is on the sand. Well, how are they characterized? Well, in verse 24, if you take a look at the text, they are characterized as wise men. So in other words, they're doing that which is right, which is good. They have knowledge, they have understanding, and they take that knowledge and understanding and apply it in a good way. Uh, they're wise. So it, they're taking what they know about God, they're taking what they know in relation to Jesus Christ, and they are making it part of who they are. They're not just someone who has been saved by grace that just sits there uh, and continues to take in and does not foster an environment for that. All those words that are coming into their ears to actually have a profound effect in their lives outwardly. Uh, we know that Jesus came, and as we've, we've looked in the text before, is that he changes us from the inside out. He is not just making us look one way on the outside when the inside is still corrupt. Uh, if anything, he's starting from the inside, working its way out, and because of a change on the inside, we're different on the outside. So it's as a wise man who builds his house on the rock. And if you look, uh, took the time to look at the parallel passage in Luke chapter 6, verse 48, Luke gives us just a few more words of detail as to how uh, this builder is characterized. Uh, not only uh, is this person a wise man, but is one in, who has dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. Uh, that's what Luke chapter 6, verse 48 says. And so we get a little bit bigger of a picture here is that they're sinking deep their roots into the very thing that is going to keep them from stumbling, from falling, uh, from the, the, everything that they're doing each and every day as it continues to build and continues to define who they are. Uh, it, it is one who has dug deep and laid a foundation on the rock, the rock that does not move, that does not change. Well, notice there in verse 25, uh, what came against the house? And I think this is interesting, too, and if you notice, as I began, it's two different builders with two different foundations with one identical storm. Because you'll notice in verse 25 as well as verse 27, it says, uh, exactly, the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house. Now, as you know, we've been watching the, the news uh, and watching the amount of hurricanes that have been coming up through the Gulf and, and hitting uh, states like Louisiana and Texas uh, as they, they come to landfall. Uh, and we know how, what storms can do. Uh, even here in Connecticut, we've seen the damage that a storm can do. Uh, and the thing is, is that as that storm comes, which it will, the question is, is on what foundation is the house built? Because the rain's going to fall, the floods are going to come, the winds are going to blow, and that house is going to get beat upon. And the question is, will it survive? Well, what's the outcome? Uh, that's the fourth question. You'll notice there in verse 25, it says that even though all that stuff happened, everything that came against that house, but it did not fall. Because it had been founded on the rock. 
And see, this is the stark contrast here that, we're, that we see from the text. And Jesus is making it very clear because as he's speaking to the religious leaders, as he's speaking to the people that have been listening to the religious leaders, they are building their house, they're building their lives on that which is not the rock. They're building it on man's philosophies, on man's laws, on man's desires, uh, as opposed to actually taking and realizing that they need to build on the rock, the only rock there is, and that's Jesus Christ. And I like what it says in the parallel passage in Luke chapter 6, verse 48, because it says, uh, it could not shake it because it had been well built. And so as we take a look at this, this one of the two builders, you know, we've noticed what characterized them by the context that they are the one who does the will of the Father. They are one that bears good fruit. They are the one who has gone through the narrow gate, the one that leads to life. They are characterized as wise because they have dug deep and found the foundation, the rock, which is Jesus Christ. Uh, and as everything came across and, and, and pounded on that house, uh, what is the end result? What is the outcome? It did not fall. It could not be shaken because of the foundation it found itself on. Well, that's the first of the two. The second takes us uh, a little bit farther as Jesus, uh, you know, paints again this picture of, you know, either you're on this side or you're on the other. And so the difference is in uh, uh, the word not. Because you'll notice there in the text it says, everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them. So again, there is either one who is obedient, doing the word of God, living the word of God, or they are not. And so who are those that hear these words and does not do them? Well, let's look at the t- context once again. Take a look at verse 23. Uh, they are characterized as workers of lawlessness. Uh, they do not see any desire for anything outside of themselves to show or to change or to, uh, you know, cause a, some type of uh, uh, behavioral uh, change. And so they just love breaking the law. That's what defines them. Uh, they feel as though that there is no accountability, maybe because they haven't been caught, uh, maybe because that's just the way everyone that's around them is, is doing it and they're getting away with it. Why can't I? Well, verse 17, go back a little bit farther. Um, it is characterized as the one that is a diseased tree bearing bad fruit. Again, you see the, the stark contrast. This is not the one who is wise. This is not the one who bears good fruit. Instead, they are bearing bad fruit because the tree is bad, because the roots are in bad soil. Uh, and so uh, also verse 13 uh, we again see that picture. It says, those who enter by the wide gate that leads to destruction. So again, it's either or. There is no gray in between. It's either or. It's either you are on the one who obeys the word, which we know short of the gift of God, short of the grace of God in our lives, we would still be lawless, disobedient, not paying attention to God. Uh, but on the, the other hand, we have been redeemed, and therefore, this is not what defines us, but there are those we know that this is what defines them. Well, how are they characterized by um, uh, the Lord Jesus Christ in the text? Well, they will be like a foolish man who has built his house on the sand. Uh, and so, uh, if you've ever built anything, if you've ever been to the beach and built a sandcastle, what happens when the, the surf comes up? Does it stand strong? You know, does, you know, even if you, you build the foundation out of a, a big uh, amount of sand and then start putting, you know, the, the different buckets on there to make a castle, you know, do the buckets stay when the, the, the foundation is washed away? Well, the answer to that question is no. And in the parallel passage in Luke chapter 6, verse 49, it says, It is the one who has built a house on the ground without a foundation. So uh, they've, they've taken the time to build a house, but they haven't taken the time to assess whether or not this is a good place to build the house or not. And this is what characterizes the rest of the world. So if it's, they haven't taken the time to find out that the foundations of man, the, the things that man thinks, the things that man does in his sinful state, are of no foundation whatsoever. 
And we've even seen this lived out in our culture today where there is no objective truth. Everything is subjective to the individual. See, there's no foundation. It's everybody believes what everyone wants to believe. And so it's very wishy-washy. It is basically driven by emotion, and therefore um, there's no foundation there. And when anyone comes to potentially, you know, stop and cause them to, th- to think about something, to cause them to all of a sudden say, well, have you thought about this? It's immediately discredited. Uh, it's immediately seen as, you know, mind your own business. I'll believe what I want to believe. Well, that's the kind of house that is built on that kind of foundation. There is no foundation. But what came against the house? And I've already pointed this out uh, from verse 25. Um, it is one storm. It is the rain fell, the floods came, the winds blew and beat against that house. So what's the outcome? Because um, obviously the outcome is not the same. Well, verse 27 tells us it fell and great was the fall of it. See, this is what is going to happen when mankind stands before a holy God. If they are building their lives, if they're building everything that they've done, their philosophies, uh, their their mantra as to how they live their lives, when they stand before the one to whom they have to give an account, then guess what? Their foundation is going to literally fall away because there is no foundation. There's only one foundation, and that is Jesus Christ. Chapter 6 of uh, Luke, verse 49, that parallel passage says, Immediately. It fell, and the ruin of that house was great. The ruin of that house was great. Because Jesus has already established there's a narrow way, there's a broad way. One leads to life, the other one leads to destruction. So he, again, is giving another word picture for them to understand that you need to come to grips with what I'm telling you. Because the religious leaders have been lying to you. Because theirs is a, a doctrine, theirs is a religiosity that, is, that has no foundation. Because man is the one who is saying, this is how things are. Instead of looking to the word of God and saying, you know, God is saying, this is how things are. And the interesting point is, and I, I really never noticed this before until I was, you know, preparing for this sermon, is that... As you, you take a look at these, these two houses, each one looks secure because each, each one built a house. So do you understand that there was a, there was a finished product? But the problem is, is what they built on. So it, it's not an issue of, of people actually working and doing and building something. The question is, is where is their starting point? What is their, their worldview? Where, what do they look to as uh, the very thing that they're going to build this mighty structure on? You know, and, and we, we lived in Chicago for five years. And one of the impressive things that I found out as I, I uh, lived there was is that the, the foundations of, of much of those buildings that tower stories above the ground is that there is foundations that are equal to them below the ground uh, because of the, the, the area that it is built in. Uh, because there's no rock to build on. And so the thing is, is that this is exactly how, you know, we should take a look at this because the storms of life are going to come. And there's going to be a final storm where mankind stands before the God of all. And the question is, what's going to happen? Well, the storm is going to expose the nature of the foundation. See, in other words, when, when everyone stands before God, we're not going to be able to, you know, uh, to somehow fool God or to think that, well, you know what, because you're a loving God, you, you have to understand that uh, I was misled. No. The thing is going to be is what have you done with Jesus Christ? And the thing is, is that those who suppress the truth about Jesus Christ in unrighteousness are going to find out that their foundation is no foundation at all. It's going to be washed away. And the fall is going to be great, and it's going to happen immediately. There will be no second chances. It brings true and rings true the words out of Proverbs chapter 10, verse 25, where it says, When the tempest passes, the wicked is no more, but the righteous is established forever. Because the foundation is right, because the foundation is Jesus, because the righteousness that we gain is from Jesus. It's not a righteousness of our own, which is really not righteousness at all. You know, and I think this, for those that live in Connecticut, can understand 
the, this in a little bit better light. Because you've been watching as houses have been lifted up and their old foundations torn out because they're crumbling apart. Because the company that actually built the foundations uh, did something wrong in laying the foundation. Whatever it was. Whether they used the, the old stuff to, to be part of the new. Whether the, they you know didn't allow the, the cement to cure. Whether they just got the formula wrong. The fact is, is we're seeing the result of what has happened as the weather has beat against these houses, as the temperatures have froze, you know, and the, the, the heat of summer has cracked all these foundations. And so what's the only thing, what's the only thing that can be done? Well, tear down the house, or as they're doing here, lift the house up, tear out the foundation, put a new foundation, and set the house back down. Well, see, the thing is, is Jesus is pointing this out. There's not going to be any time when you stand before God to, re, to, to change your foundation. As a matter of fact, you know, even as they've built these houses, if we, we understand the character and what has happened in relation to these things, that the tree you know, of those who are uh, you know, on the wide path to destruction are the ones who bear bad fruit. So even the house itself really has not been built the way it should be built. And I'll speak to that in a few moments. But as I was thinking about this, you know, as we've studied the word of God together, as we've shared uh, the truth about who God is, as he's revealed it to us in his word, one of the names of God came to mind. Um, It's a name that we get out of Psalm 31.3, where it says, For you are my rock and my fortress, and and, uh, for your name's sake you lead me and guide me. So that word, my rock, is the name of God, El Salah. S-E-L-A, God, my rock. And when you think about a rock, you know, think about the symbolism that's there. We know rocks are steady, that they are secure, that they are solid, that they are firm, uh, they are stable, they're lasting. Uh, and, you know, you may look at the rocks that, you know, are all over our country, you know, uh, and some may say, well, you know what, if under the right conditions, even a rock can slowly be deteriorated. And you can see that as, you know, rivers begin to, to mold and to cut rock out uh, as it, they do that. But see, the thing is, that's not how our God is. Time is not going to wear God down. He is no less a rock or the rock than he has ever been. He is, he is still the solid rock, as we sung this morning. Even amid the great turmoil and uncertainty of life, even as the generations have passed since the the day in which he created Adam and Eve and put them in the garden, God has not changed. He is stable. He is all-powerful. He is all-wise. He is absolute truth. He is all-secure, all-comforting, because he is the eternal rock. That's why there is only one foundation that can be laid. It has to be on the eternal rock, not on all these things that pass away. And that's why salvation through Jesus Christ is so beautiful, because he is that solid rock. We need not doubt our salvation, because we are on the secure ground. And even as the storms of life come, guess what? The, the rock does not shake in. It is stable. Uh, you know, Luke 6, 8, it could not shake it. Because it had been well built. It did not fall because it was founded on the rock. Uh, because it was dug deep and laid on the foundation of the rock. That rock is Jesus Christ. That rock is God. And he is eternal. A couple other places in, in Psalm. Uh, Psalm, as it reads in, in 18 verses 1 and 2, it says, I love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer, my God, my rock, in whom I take refuge, my shield, and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. Do you hear David speaking? Because not only is he, he describing truths that are real about God, but he is saying that they're mine because he has a relationship with God. He trusts God. An interesting thing, this psalm was written um, after God had rescued David from all of his enemies, including King Saul. And he's saying, you know, in this song to the Lord, that I love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord, you are my rock, my fortress, my deliverer, my God, my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. Well, guess what? 
no matter what happens this coming week in our country, as we take a look at Tuesday, which is election day, guess what is not going to change? Absolutely. That's right. God, our rock. And hopefully you can say that he is my rock because you know the Lord Jesus Christ. Psalm 62, verses 5 through 8, another one. Uh, Just a beautiful thing as David waits for God alone. Listen to what he says. He says, for God alone, O my soul, wait in silence, for my hope is from him. Do you see that? My hope is not in the elected leaders of our country. My hope is not in my bank account. My hope is not in all the things of this world. My hope, like David, is in the Lord Jesus Christ. He only is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be shaken. On God rests my salvation and my glory, my mighty rock. My refuge is God. Trust in him at all times, O people. Pour out your hearts before him. God is a refuge for us. Isn't that beautiful? Can you say that with surety like David did in this psalm? Can you say, I will not be shaken no matter what happens because the Lord is my rock? That even as the storms of life come, even as the things that are outside of your control come barreling in, can you say that the Lord is my salvation, that the Lord is my fortress, that the Lord is my refuge? Let me share three things with you in closing Because I want you to see Jesus, and we already sung about this, and I I want you to think, as we've taken the time to look at this this account in, in the Sermon on the Mount, to think about Jesus, the solid rock. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. When darkness veils his lovely face, I rest on his unchanging grace. In every high and stormy gale, my anchor holds within the veil. His oath, his covenant, his blood support me in the whelming flood. When all around my soul gives way, he then is all my hope and stay. When he shall come with trumpet sound, oh, may I then in him be found. Dressed in his righteousness alone, faultless to stand before the throne. The chorus goes on to say, on Christ, the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. We need to remember that Jesus is the rock of our salvation, that we can stand faultless before the throne because of Christ's righteousness, because we are clothed, we are dressed in his righteousness alone. There is no other foundation. See, Jesus is also the solid rock of living the redeemed life. Listen to what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, beginning in verse 10. It says, According to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation. Why is he a skilled master builder? Because of the God whom he serves. And someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care how he builds upon it. For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Did you catch that? There is no other foundation. There can be no other foundation because all other foundations are on sinking stand. Matter of fact, as we find out, there is no foundation at all. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become manifest for the day will disclose it because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test what sort of each uh, uh, the sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss. So he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. See, this is not only is Jesus the rock of salvation. Jesus is the solid rock of living the Christian life, to live the redeemed life. Because 
Yes, we are on that solid foundation for salvation, but guess what? Each decision that you make each and every day, the courses that you take, uh, the way in which you speak, the way in which you live out your life is laying and building a house, a structure. And the question is, what does that structure look like? Are you doing it in and of your own self, in your own power? Are you doing it out of the wrong motive so that as you look at this text that it's wood, hay, and straw, which you know when exposed to fire is going to be burned up? Or are you living for the Lord realizing that he is God alone, that your soul waits in silence for him because he is your only rock, that you pour out your heart before him and live a righteous life Uh, to be an example, to be a witness, to be that light in darkness, knowing that there are many heading to the way of destruction because that path is wide. And they think they're on a foundation, but they're really on sinking sand. See, if you're being a bearer of the good news of Jesus Christ, if you're being that light, if you're being that salt, if you're giving testimony to the life-changing power of Christ in your life and are doing that outwardly towards other people, then guess what? Then the foundation is there of Christ, but you are building a structure that is characterized as gold, silver, precious stones, which we know that the fire does not consume. And the thing is, it says those who do those will be rewarded. Rewards that we can in turn lay at the feet of Jesus because it's only through his power in everyday living. It's because of the spirit of God in us that we can walk in those works that God created beforehand that we should walk in them. And lastly, Jesus, the rock of the church. See, we are all one in Christ. Does it matter where you were born? Does it matter where you grew up? It doesn't matter what your means were. Does it matter what your nationality is? It doesn't matter uh, uh, whether you are a, a slave or free. The fact is, is we are all one in Christ. Listen to what it says in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 19 through 22. It says, So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Listen, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. That starting point, that strong, solid foundation, that cornerstone that is necessary to build the structure. It says in verse 21, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in who? In him. You also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. So Jesus not only is the solid rock of our salvation, he is not only the uh, solid rock in helping us live the redeemed life, but he is also the solid rock of the church. Because this body of believers that is gathered together today is gathering together because we are one in Christ. Because we have the power of the living God inside of us. Jesus Christ being the cornerstone. And as we find ourselves digging deeper into the word of God, as we we sink our roots deeper and deeper into that foundation of salvation, as we we let the word of God in his revealed um, beauty of, of who he is transform us, that's going to continue to join us together. Because that's what the word of God does because it's living and active. It does something. It accomplishes exactly what God set it out to do, his will, which is, we know, perfect. So is your house built on the rock? I hope it is. Because if it's not, and you wait until the point where you stand before the judge of all, it will be too late. And so as Jesus is making this, this, this last appeal Uh, in the Sermon on the Mount, because there's only two more verses left, which we'll speak to next week, and then the final week after that, we're going to just highlight some of the beauty, beautiful things we've learned in the Sermon on the Mount. But the the next two verses talk about how Jesus spoke as one having authority. Well, he did have authority because he is the Son of God. And what he said was true. 
There's no changing it. There's no altering it. It doesn't matter how many generations of mankind have tried to be religious in their own eyes. There is still only one foundation, and that's Jesus Christ. So if you do not know Jesus Christ today, then you need to fall at the foot of the cross. You need to realize that you are in need of redemption, that you are in need of a new starting point. To repent of your sins and to call upon the Lord so that you, like the psalmist, can say, For God alone, O my soul, waits in silence. For my hope is in him. He only is the rock of my salvation. You should be able to say that today. And every believer that's here today should be renewed in a sense that, guess what? I am still continuing to build. I can still utilize and impact all for the kingdom of God, for the glory of God, as God continues to join us and bring us together as one. And what brings us together is not our ability to to build on that, that structure. What brings us together is in him we are being brought together. See, so not only has God provided the foundation through Jesus Christ, that solid rock, he also provides for us the ability to grow together because you know what sin does? It drives us apart. And we can see that each and every day. We've lived that. We know. So get in the word of God. Spend time in prayer with God. Continue to to build that beautiful structure so that it shows as that light on the hill is that salt that our culture desperately needs to deter the, the sinful decay of, our, of, of man. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. Let's bow for a closing word of prayer. Gracious Father, we do thank you for the truths in this text today. Lord, it is a, a very familiar text, uh, one that uh, many, I'm sure, have committed to, to memory through song. But may we have a renewed sense of your son, Jesus Christ, who is the solid rock of our salvation, who is the solid rock uh, for us to be able to live the redeemed life, that he is the solid rock of the church, and that Ellington Baptist Church is part of that. And Lord, I pray that you would help each one here today to uh, have a renewed sense of just how powerful you are, just how powerful it is to be built on the solid rock the eternal God who is the eternal rock. And Lord, as we spend a few moments in reflective uh, time singing some more songs to to pull all this together, to, to give testimony and song just as David did in Psalm 18, uh, as you rescued him from all of his enemies, including King Saul, that Lord, as we step into this new week, that you would help us to see your power uh, uh, giving us the ability to be overcomers in this week. And we'll give you the praise, the honor, and the glory in Jesus' name. Amen.
for joining us today and, and trust that this has been a, a good time for you to, to d- dig a little bit deeper into the Word of God. Don't forget the solid rock on which you stand and that everywhere else is sinking sand. So uh, as you have the t- opportunity to step into this new week, uh, live as that being a reality in your life. And I guarantee when you see the foundation that you have, when you see the power of the Spirit in you, there is nothing that you can't overcome. So as you have the opportunity, uh, be that light, be that reconciler, uh, because we have the hope that the world desperately needs, because the world is building on that sinking sand.